The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. Thanks for joining us. We're, I don't know if intrigue's a good word, but I know that I'm excited or anticipatory might be a good way to say it. This is our second or third installment. I think it's going to be our third installment with Brian Morricon. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, all things considered. We're recording this on the day after the election, and so far we're yes, we're still here. We're still alive, so that's good. <laughs> good to be alive. Yes. Thank God for life. Yes. I'm with you. I'm curious as to how things will continue to unfold. We know that there's a king and a righteous one. <laughs> yeah. Who sits above the heavens and he can be trusted. I know that. Yeah, that's right. I sensed I was up really early this morning for a workout and, you know, check the news. And, you know, I'm sure by the time people hear this, hopefully things will be a little more resolved. But as of this recording, it's still undecided, you know, so that kind of uncertainty is sort of hanging in the air and I was feeling a little anxious and went to my workout and I came back and I just sensed the Lord saying like, you don't need to check that again. Come and sit with me. So I did that. And, you know, we're talking about Henry now and today. And so I picked up one of Henry's books called The Way of the Heart and just flipped in, read a little bit. It's about the wisdom of the Desert Fathers from, you know, third and fourth century, some of the original monk, just the wisdom from them that is applicable to today was really helpful. And he said, this is Merton talking, Society was regarded by the Desert Fathers as a shipwreck from which each single individual man had to swim for his life. Mm. And so they, <laughs> they, got, they got out, but in a sense, in order to get back in as whole people. St. Anthony, one of the most mm. famous ones, you know, was out for 20 years and then came back into society, but people marked how whole of a person how healthy he was because of the time that he'd spent in the desert and solitude and things like that. So it just kind of rooted me this morning back in reality and just, you know, remembering the long uh, history of God's faithfulness and way with his people. And that it isn't usually pretty, but zoom back out for a little bit, get some perspective. And so I did this morning. It was really helpful. Felt a little more settled. Man, that's cool. I think the Desert Fathers, of course, I, I have read, I, I'm familiar with now and read some of, a little bit of stuff here and there, but the only book that I read from him the, the in, in this entirety is the one you're mentioning there, mm -hmm. The Way of the Heart. Mm -hmm. That is so helpful to us to gain perspective of centuries and, you know, millennia, this kind of thing. So much noise in our environment, so 
many things clanging, you know, for attention and trying to be important, you know, such a self-important society. Yeah. You know, that shipwreck word, it breaks in on us. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a stark example or a stark characterization, maybe. But it's not wrong. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know if uh, people listening are how familiar they are with Henry, but thought maybe we just, you know, start with a little bit about sure. him and then we could dive into other things. Yes, unless please. You, okay. So... Henry, and I'm no expert on on him, you know, so I'll, I'll give you what I know and hopefully whet people's appetites enough to go and, and read some of his work. If we can come out of this with people wanting to do that, it'll be a success in my book. Mine too. He was born in Holland and from a really young age, I think five years old, he wanted to be a priest and that desire never left him. I think I heard a story where he would set up like a little church service, like in his attic by himself, you know, as a little boy with communion and everything. Wow. Yeah. And so he went on and fulfilled that dream and also studied psychology. So kind of a unique blend there. And then he moved to the United States and his gifting in teaching and writing was recognized quickly, you know, so he taught at Ivy League schools like Notre Dame and Yale and Harvard. And his classes were wildly popular. People just wanted to hear from him. He ended up writing about 40 books. And mm -hmm. most of them are very small. We're not on video here, so I can't show you. I've got a stack of them here. And they are, many of them, under 100 pages. You know, which these days is unusual, especially for books of the depth in which he was writing. You know, mm -hmm. these days you find it's not uncommon for books to have two, 300 pages like this. But that one that we were talking about, The Way of the Heart, it mm -hmm. is 94 pages, you know, and it's a smaller book, <laughs> like physically smaller. And, and the type <laughs> is not, you know, is larger than usual, it looks like, right? Yeah. And that's because his gift of clarity allows him to write briefly without it being overly dense. Some people can mm -hmm. write really briefly, but it's so dense and they are lazy and use big words when the better thing to do would be to do the hard work of explaining that concept simply. Mm. I remember having one syllabus where I read through and I'm like, it, you know, used all these big words. <laughs> you, you get through it, but I just thought like, this is lazy. Using big words when the harder work would be to break that down to explain it simply. And so Henry was had that gift to be able to do that using simple language and still be concise and just communicate this depth of heart that is really unsurpassed in spiritual writers and modern spiritual writers. He just continues, like, I don't know if all of his books are in print, but many of them still in print. I think I've sold like 8 million copies. And, you know, he'll prove to be one of the few authors that 100 years from now, his stuff will still be in print and be read. Man, and that's powerful. You know, so many voices fade into the obscurity, yeah. if you will. Yeah. This guy, you know, it's kind of a high watermark or a peak, right? In my mind, when we think about spiritual history in a certain way, now it appears standing there gleaming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think what it was, one of his big things 
is the most personal is the most universal. And so this Mm -hmm. idea of when he disclosed the deepest parts of his heart, that it would, when you read his work, you feel like he's describing what's going on inside of you, right? It sounds so personal. In fact, this Mm -hmm. one that I'm going through right now, The Inner Voice of Love, which was written during the darkest period of his Mm -hmm. life. He, you know, came into a depression and darkness for a long while. He didn't even publish this and didn't think it would be helpful to be published. So it was his journal Mm -hmm. from this time. And basically he had counseling sessions. And after each session, he would write a directive to himself that kind of summed up that session. And so it's basically these, you know, three or four paragraph little entries. And he, it was just his journal for himself. Mm-hmm. And his friend said, yeah. look, hey, this would be really helpful for other people. Would you be willing? And after several years, when he got some healing and perspective on that, and it wasn't so, the wounds weren't so fresh, <laughs> he agreed to that. And at the beginning of the book, he said, I hope and pray that I did the right thing and that this is helpful. Some people can disclose too much and it's not actually helpful. And he's like <laughs> oversharing, right? Right? Like we didn't know to know that and that actually doesn't help anybody else. That's just your own personal process. And he was aware of that, but I'm so glad that he did publish this. And and he said, use it like salt. Don't try and read the whole thing at once. It's these little entries. Just read maybe one or two a day, a little bit. And it, for me in particular, where I am in this season of my life, it is like he's reading my mail, you know, and and (laughs) just speaking directly to my soul and putting words to the things that are going on inside of me, right? That's the great gift of great spiritual writers is, uh, great writers in general, is just the, the ability to put language to the stuff that you kind of know is there or is happening inside of you, but you can't quite articulate. And Henry is able to do that. Yeah, that reminds me, or it makes me think about, you know, musicians and that kind of thing as well, in terms of the same type of contribution, people who were synced up to their times and gave voice, you know, yeah, to right. feelings or things that wanted to arise in terms of personal expression mm-hmm. that was maybe awkward or emergent. That to me is, is what you're describing there with Henry and what he did. Of course, I'm not a musician. Yeah, but you know, but you're exactly it right. Seems poetic, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It's very much so. Another thing I deeply appreciate about Henry was that he was always moving towards his own uh, inner wholeness, towards healing. So he's teaching at these really prestigious universities and was beloved by students and fellow faculty. But he always had this ache inside of not feeling like he belonged. Mm. And that was a theme throughout his entire life is this, I don't feel like he longed for other people to accept him and to find his worth and value through other people's affirmations Mm. and never got that right. Of course, he knew and we can say theologically that we can only get our true affirmation from the Lord, right? We, he knew that intellectually, we know that intellectually, but But in practice for him and for me, there's a deep 
wounded place in me, wounded child inside who longs for that affirmation from other people. And so he could have very easily settled into his life, his academic life at these institutions and said, you know, this is good. This is a good life. Like I'm, I'm able to write and whatever. But he knew there was something deeper for him. And he ended up moving to a community of handicapped people that takes care of mentally disabled people mm-hmm. called large. I think I'm, I may not be saying that right. And mm-hmm. that's where he found his acceptance in the Lord in this space with these people who mm-hmm. couldn't give a flip about what he had done. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they could, they, wow. they just didn't, it didn't even occur to like, like they didn't have the capacity to understand, you know, he's this big author and, and all of that. And God, so he God. he was just there. And he says here, this is from in, in the name of Jesus, which is a good, if you're starting with now and an interest in leadership, that's a good place to start. The book's called In the Name of Jesus. And he says, mm. this is soon after he had moved to Larch, not being able to use any of the skills that had proved so practical in the past was a real source of anxiety. I was suddenly faced with my naked self, open for affirmations and rejections, hugs and punches, smiles and tears, all dependent simply on how I was perceived at the moment. In a way, it seemed as though I was starting my life all over again. Relationships, connections, reputations could no longer be counted on. Right? So there he was, because like in the moment, Mm. mentally handicapped people, mentally disabled, I don't know if I'm saying what the right word is there, disabled or handicapped. Yeah. They're in the moment and they're just guileless. There's no pretense. And that was so scary for Henry. I think it's scary for all of us. Yes and transformative. And that's actually where he had this big crash into depression because he said, I was finally safe enough. Like I was exposed for one, but then he was surrounded by all of these, the people who worked at large, who loved him, affirmed him. And so he had this safe environment to fall apart in. <laughs> and mm. he did. <laughs> and And thankfully he had counselors around him to walk him through this, this really dark season and into a level of wholeness. Man, there's so much to unpack there, and I think we could go in a variety of directions. One thing that breaks in on me or that I just think about is, you know, his courage. Transparent reflection and seeing, you know, (laughs) comparing the guile in your own heart to the guilelessness that possibly is right in front of you, that takes courage, you know, not to flinch, right? (laughs) I think a lot of times when we have those kinds of experiences, we're conditioned to flinch, you know, and then excuse and then go on with our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We go like, can't look at that, you know? Right. Oh, by the way, you know, something over here is requiring my immediate focus. It's hard. And I think that I, what resonates with me from the description you just gave is the kind of courage is required not to flinch in the face of your own lack or ugliness or right. whatever. Right. Yeah. Or perhaps wow. to flinch and stay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You flinch, but you wince, but you don't run. Right. That's right. Yeah. But you don't run. Yeah. You yeah. press into it. Wow. And uh, yeah, he, in his writing, You know, a lot of times I think before I write and share something, I've got to have it mostly worked out. Mm -hmm. But more and more, I've realized that the authors that speak to me the most, 
they write their process. And there may be some parts of that, like I said, that are not appropriate to share. But Mm -hmm. oftentimes by writing out and sharing your process with others, you come to a place of understanding what you yourself believe. Now, sometimes you're writing Mm -hmm. something or you're saying something and you're like, yes, that's true. Yes, that's right. That's it. I do believe that. (laughs) And you help somebody else in their process, right? I think of Philip Mm -hmm. Yancey. On his website, he has a a list of Q&As. And Mm -hmm. he just talked about how, as a writer, most of his books, I think he said, come out of this place of process, stuff that he's processed. You know, he had a book called Mm -hmm. Disappointed with God. And and even though Mm -hmm. he's not in that place anymore, that book is meeting somebody else who is currently in that place. And so if we wait until... You know, we've got all this stuff figured out before we try mm-hmm. and minister or share. Not only do we rob ourselves of moving towards healing, but we rob other people of healing that they can experience as we share our process together. And man, that's a big lesson for me right now is, is just allowing God to use me in my brokenness and being okay with God using other people who are broken. Right. Because if I can't allow God to use me uh, while I'm broken, well, then I'm judging everybody else who's broken and, and ministering in some way or helping the world in some way and, and being like, you can't, you know, yeah, look at you. You're broken in all of these areas and you, you think, you know, you can help other people because that's the way I'm talking to myself. But the truth is mm, like, yeah. yes, there's a level of healing we need to get. Like, you can't be bleeding all over people, right? Like, you know, I've got to bandage up my wounds enough with the Lord and personal counseling and in personal spaces so that I'm not like gushing (laughs) all over people. But once that's bandaged up to to an extent, we might still be limping a little bit as we go out and minister and write and share whatever the Lord's calling us to do, you know, to other people. Mm -hmm. Now it has a book called Wounded Healer that, Mm -hmm. you know, that concept that, you know, we're going to might be limping a little bit, but we can still go out. And as we walk that out, even limping, that healing comes as we help others to be healed as well. Man, I'm trying to rebuild this quote. One of my favorite quotes from now on, you know, I think the conversation here is making me think about it. It's about ministry and about, I guess, kind of like putting on airs or something. Mm-hmm. Humility, maybe, is what it was about. I'm trying to see if I can grab it really quick. You know, like people can be proud about this or that, but the minister can't do that really because he's got to take off his robe and put on a towel and and wash some feet, you know. I don't remember the exact quote on that, but it's coming through to me, you know, in what you're saying about the humility, you know, again, the tidiness, right? Yeah. What is it that makes yeah. us want to appear so tidy to each other? And I think that, again, is a courageous step when you're submitting to the process and acknowledging the reality, hey, you yeah. know, I'm still kind of a mess here. Maybe I'm right. not poisonous anymore. <laughs> but, right, you right. Know. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.